Michael Haynes, welcome back to the podcast. I believe this is return trip number five for you. I know we were talking offline a little bit before. I, I think I went back, did the math, and this is number five. So the audience wants to hear from you, so we're, we're bringing you back now. So welcome back. Thanks, Brett. It's great to be here. Always enjoy our discussion. So looking forward to today's as well. Because I think we're both super passionate about that small business, the, the solo business, the SMBs, and you know how do we help them get more traction? And you know, I did look back a little bit, and I can't read my writing about what episode was it, but I think it was the episode at the end of 2020 where we were talking about planning for, you know, how do we grow a business in 2021? Yet here we are two years later, and who do we have back as we're starting to think about, you know, 2023, which is unbelievable. And I thought it made sense to have you back and say, hey, how do we grow an expert-based business, you know, in 2023? What are some of the things that we should think about heading into next year? But before we get into that topic, so that's what we want to talk about is how do you build a business in 2023 or an expert-based business? For the folks that may not have heard you in the previous <laughs> episodes that you've been on, you know, share with them a little bit of your background and, and who you're working with today, and then we'll, we'll dive in. Sure, Britt. So my name is Michael Haynes. So I uh, I work with service-based small and medium-sized businesses. So your professional service firms like accountants, lawyers, uh, IT firms, engineering firms. So I work with the CEOs and the leadership uh, teams of those companies, and I help them to uh, build and grow their businesses by selling their services and offerings to other businesses. So I am your uh, SME, uh, small, medium enterprise, or SMB, small, medium business growth consultant, my focus and passion is in that B2B space. So I call myself the SME B2B growth specialist. So that's really where I focus on. Um, I live here in Sydney, Australia. I've been here for over, gosh, 22 years. Um, but as you can tell by my accent or lack thereof, I'm not originally from Australia. I'm from Toronto, Canada. I like to consider myself to be fortunate to have two homes, uh, Toronto and Sydney. Uh, so yes, Star Alliance does very much like me. Well, hopefully will once we get back on an airplane and travel. And so I work with companies globally. So based here in Australia, um, but I, I I have clients around the world, Australia, Canada, the US, uh, a few clients in the UK and do a lot in Asia Pacific as well. Yeah, 100%. We both have that B2B background and right, there's D2C and there's a lot of similarities, but the, you're right. I believe the opportunity is 100% in that, that B2B space. And the one thing you didn't mention, which is you're also an author. I've mentioned this numerous times on the podcast and I highly recommend your book to folks because it is a great framework. And if you're stuck and you're not growing, it's a good, I would call it a, uh, a very actionable book, right? Some are more theory and conceptual and you can't do things with, but I think, you know, you read your book and you're diving right in and there's, there's plans. So Let's get into the topic at hand because it's hard to believe we're heading into the fourth quarter now. And you and I were actually we 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 talk quite a bit and work with each other to help you know with our planning and goal setting and things like that. And we were talking about, hey, what's our strategic plan for next year? Do we have that ready? I'm like, man, that would be a really good episode <laughs> for us to talk about. So you know, now we're sorta kind of post pandemic and in the virtual worlds here to stay. So. You know, what's your initial thoughts on what folks should be thinking about as we start to head into 2023? I mean, I, I believe it's the fundamentals, right? They don't change. We get caught up sometimes. You shared with me some information on some research on buyers. So I'm going to open up to you and say, where do you want to start? Where should we dig sure. in? Sure. 
Um, sure, great question, Brett. So yeah, so given where we're at, you know, recording here late September, you know, all business owners need to, if they haven't already, need to start taking some time to start thinking and planning towards 2023 um, because there is a lot to do, a lot to think about. Um, you're absolutely right, Brett. Fundamentals are important. And I believe that the first thing that we all need to be doing is listening. And so listening, and again, you know, for my book, I talk about listening on three levels. One, listening to you. So you as the business leader, CEO of your company, and that doesn't matter whether you're a solopreneur or you are an SME, small, medium enterprise with 30, 40 people. Taking reflection back as to, okay, well, you know, where is it that you want to be going? What is it that you're looking to achieve in, uh, in, in 2023? I think it's important to kind of get some clarity about what are the goals, what are you looking uh, to do? Taking a step back, a bit of reflection on, you know, so where are you having success? So, you know, where are you having some of the wins in terms of the kinds of clients, the kinds of offerings? Who are, the, who are those clients that are showing you the love, uh, both from a monetary standpoint, definitely, but those in terms of, you know, referrals, recommendations? Um, who have you enjoyed working with? So having, you know, so really, you know, listening and taking a step back to understand where you're having some of the success. What are some of the strengths about you, uh, about your company, what you're doing? Because that will help start to give you some clarity as to where to be focusing. Um, you also need to be doing some listening with respect to the, you know, industries, the markets and customers that you need to be serving. So, you know, uh, you want to be getting in tune with what's going on in your respective you know, industries. Lots of things have been changing. There are constantly new market conditions, new dynamics. So you want to be listening and understanding what's going on in your industry. So I advise all of my clients and I try to practice what I preach. We all should be members of those industry and professional associations relevant to those industries that we both currently serve and even perhaps those that we seek to serve. Because um, by being members of those industry and professional associations, you know, they've got the, they're often their newsletters or magazines, they may have webinars, um, events, so that we can keep on the pulse of what's going on. Because it's very important, you know, you know, the conditions of your, of your markets, your industries right now, where they're going and what's happening. So making sure you're staying on the pulse and having a sense of, well, what's the outlook in 2023 for, let's say you're an IT uh, managed service provider and you're working in the U.S., um, let's say in financial services. What is that space looking like? What's, you know, what's the, what's the view? Because that may inform, you know, what you may need to do around your products, your service offerings, you know, the service experience that you deliver. So staying on top of that is very important. So having that industry, staying on the pulse, um, of what's going on in your industry and your markets. And again, Industry professional associations is a great place um, to start um, and being, you know, in tune with what's going on there. And then the next one is understanding your customers. And in B2B, Brett, as you know, I always bang on about it's not enough to understand the organization. So if you're that IT financial services company and you're looking to get into, you know, Bank of America or Harris Bank, for example, it's not enough to understand the customer organization. We need to understand the buyers. So who are those decision makers, those groups of which can be anywhere? Well, in your larger organizations, it can be six, eight, 10 plus people, or in your smaller organizations, two to three, which is often quite common. We need to understand that buying group, who they are, what are their priorities, and how they buy. It's very important that you understand those three for each of your current clients that you're, you're having, those prospective clients, uh, customers that you want to be getting, even perhaps potentially some of the ones that you may have lost as well. So we can get that full market view to really try to understand what's been going on. So listening is a first 
activity um, in terms of your 2023 planning that you really need to start starting off with listening to you as a business owner and looking at your company, then looking at your market and looking at your customers. Yeah, so, so good. And I want to take you back to the the first part, listening to yourself, because I think that's one of your superpowers, at least when working with me and challenging me on, you know, what my, from an accountability standpoint, right? I think one of the things that I find with a lot of the folks I work with is they're not 100% sure what they want. So if you're just thinking about starting a business or you've been in it and you're trading time for money, haven't quite figured out what you want, I think you really have to define what you want out of, well, I was going to say the business, but maybe it's your life and the business and the, fit it together, you know, because I went through, as you know, a couple of pivots of what I was doing with work, built a nice little book of business and realized that one, it's not scalable Two, it, the work wasn't making me happy. So I think I, I love that point of listening to yourself first, <laughs> because if you, you start building something that you're not going to be passionate about, then the market and the other things aren't going to to make a difference. So maybe share with, with the folks some of the, the processes you go with internally as kind of your, you've matured over the years with your business or and advice for some of the business owners that say, hey, right, if you can't find what makes you happy or what you like to do, it's going to be a, a tougher haul, right? Yeah, I, I believe listening to you is very important. Um, and you need to have that clarity as to what you want out of the business, uh, out of your business and not what, you know, there's lots of advice out there of people saying what you should do, you know, and you should be doing X, Y, and Z. You may not want to grow and scale. And many people who build an expert business do not want to grow and scale. I have no desire to create the uh, SME B2B equivalent of a McKinsey. Uh, I love what I do. Um, I'm doing this because I very much love, enjoy working with small, medium businesses. I love the international aspect because I love working with people from different parts of the world. I'm an inherent international traveler as well. I also, honestly, I consider myself to have two homes, Australia and Canada. Working for myself is a way for me to be able to have that balance and being able to live the life that I want on my terms because I want to be able to when I want to pick up and go to Canada and spend four to five weeks Brett I want to be able to do so and I don't want to have to put in a leave form and say can I this is what I'm doing <laughs> right. so I'm very clear so you know you want to have that clarity in terms of what is your goals what are your objectives in terms of the life that you want the kind of business that you want I am looking, I am building an expert-based business but uh, it's very much around my lifestyle um, yes I want to get to a certain level so I can have that security and the freedom but I have no desire to build a massive team and 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 you know um be multinational and have this large sme uh business some people do that my my co-author and good friend gareth chandler has has gone from a two-person business to a 50-person business you know he's exemplary of what you know is feasible and possible if you do want to build a mini empire the evolve group is a fantastic company and he's taken it from two people to 50 plus and they're international that is his aspiration being really clear with yourself in terms of what you need to be doing is very important um i'm always working on my mindset so i'm constantly reading books i'm constantly listening to podcasts i do that all the time because entrepreneurship is hard it's going to be hard work um you can be great at whatever job you are doing when you're working in corporate land but once you step to the other side, to be generating revenue for yourself, building a business. Um, you know, even as a solo practitioner, there's a lot of work involved. It's long hours. Um, it can be stressful at times. Uh, and so you have to be very clear on what you want. What is your why? 
Why are you doing this? What are you ultimately going to achieve? Because those goals that you may have, Brett, in terms of having that work-life balance and being able to, you know, take six weeks off, you know, totally switch off, those may not happen for a while. I'll be quite honest. When I do go on my extended trips to go back to Canada and so forth, I still have laptop in hand and I'm still doing live streams and dialing into my clients. So it is a, it's a bit of a... a work slash vacation. I think there's a term for that now. Um, but for me, I don't mind doing that because I love what I do and I'm doing it on my terms. Um, but you, you just really need to have that clarity. I think working on your mindset is extremely important because there'll be good days, bad days, good weeks, bad weeks. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, the great resignation, being great at strategy or whatever you do in the office and corporate and then having your own business are two very different things and they do not automatically translate, uh, which is part of why we're having this discussion because there's a lot of things about building, growing and running a business. So yeah, but you need to have that clarity as to why you're doing it and what is it you truly want um, because trying to live to other people's expectations or what you should do and that everyone says you must grow and scale. No, everyone must grow and scale. It's not for everyone. It can be a right. recipe for disaster. Yeah. And I th it's such a good point. And it, it's so true. And the, the folks that I've been bringing on the podcast more recently have talked about, you know, I kind of use the three F's and there's different ways to look at it, but you know, it's the freedom, the flexibility and the financial independence. And you decide what you want and how much freedom and flexibility that that you want to design your life around. And, you know, I, it's funny, three years ago, five years ago, mindset, I'm like, eh, do your job, focus, discipline, output, drive, build business. But, you know, what I'm finding now, it, it's you've got to get into that, that right space. And I had a little mini rant on LinkedIn today about, um, you know, people with, all this corporate experience, right? But they don't think they're qualified to run their own business or start their own expert business. And my point is, look, if somebody's paying you a salary to do a job, you have expertise that somebody's going to pay for. And I know it can be scary to go out on your own, but there's ways to do that. And I just think we're going to see more and more of that. And so if we can help folks get to that point to be comfortable, because, you know, what I go back to is the, the people with one year's no experience, three years experience building seven figure businesses that have uh, and no, I don't want to be disparaging, but no experience are doing it. Just think what we can do if you've got 15, 20, 30 years experience. It's It's in demand out there. And I know that's not what we were talking about today, but you kind of got me down that path and I think you articulated it well. And so I want to encourage people to think about, hey, if you've got expertise, listen to you know, kind of what Michael's talking about as we go through this, that, hey, we're planning for next year, but think about it from your own. If you haven't pulled the trigger yet, start to plant these seeds of how you can leverage some of this, this experience and think about the customers and industries yeah. and, and how you do it. So sorry, I took us on a little mini... Yeah. Side tangent there, but but I think mindset, it's, it's so important. I think, look, uh, Brett. I think to sum it up, mindset is is critical for us working for ourselves as entrepreneurs. I'm going to go on limits say even more so than those who are employees. As entrepreneurs, as business builders, working on your mindset and regularly is critical because it's easy to feel up when things are going well and everything is happening. Even when I'm really busy, but things are happening because I've got speaking engagements and new clients and this and that. It's all really good. It's when you hit some of those challenges and roadblocks that's where your mindset, you know 
becomes really so important and more challenging um, to really keep on, to keep in the zone. So really working on your mindset is something you need to be doing. And that as part of that listening to you, you need to be doing all the time um, to really help you get through those, you know, those rough patches. Because there will be those patches. You're going to face them more than once. You'll face them several times on your earth entrepreneurial journey. Everyone who goes through it, um, you look at the most successful uh, coaches, independent consultants, expert businesses, they, you know, we, we all go through, you know, it, it is a bit of a roller coaster um, ride, but ultimately we all have our respective whys and how it's going to help us get to where we need to go. So yeah, listening to you, very, very important, uh, but listening to your customers, um, get, getting an understanding of what's going on in your markets, making sure you're clear, have some clarity on you know where things are at in the markets that you're serving, and then understanding your customers. Um, this is where I find lots of businesses fall off, whether they're the solopreneur or the 50-person uh, small, medium business. We have to make sure we're listening to our customers, and in B2B, we must be listening to our buyers. So I encourage all of your listeners, irrespective of the size of the business that you currently have or the business you're going to build, take some time to have some conversations with those with your current customers and some of your prospective customers. Um, some of the things where I think are important to understand is to understand where are they at currently right now. So where is your, your client at right now? Where are they looking to go? What are some of the challenges that they're that they're seeking? Uh, some of the hurdles that they're encountering. Um, you know, what do they feel? And you get some indication of the kinds of things that they feel that they need to get to where they need to go. Um, having those conversations, they don't necessarily need to be very long conversations, Brett. But having those conversations, you can do them in person, do them through the likes of Zoom, phone. But making sure you document, record those conversations, uh, so you can go back and distill and see what are the common themes and patterns is so important. Because I guarantee you, you will get insights. Even if you only manage to do, you know, if you could do, you know, at least eight or ten of those, you know, buyer. Uh, direct buyer interviews, those discussions, you will get some key nuggets as some of the things you need to be focusing on, to be thinking about either in terms of what you're delivering to your uh, to your clients, how you're delivering to them, or how you're promoting and engaging uh, with those. Uh, but you must do that listening. That is foundational that you're getting some discussion at that buyer level. Because in B2B, it's not enough to understand the organization. We need to know, again, who makes the decisions and also influence the decisions? What are their priorities and how they buy? Yeah, no, such a good point. And I think even your prospects, right? What are the, the new pain points they're dealing with? And, you know, one of the things I've been thinking a lot of, because one of the things I pivoted with my business, what part of it was listening to the customers is, right, I was doing a lot of consulting. It wasn't scalable for me. So I started to take a step back and think about what are the other revenue streams that potentially I think all small business should be thinking about. Because I think one, we're conditioned, at least I was from an enterprise that sell more products, sell this service, this is what you do. But you know, even with you, you do speaking engagements, you, do, you wrote a book, right? You do consulting. So you've got multiple areas. I know you're also working on masterminds and communities. And one, I don't want folks to get um, distracted chasing shiny objects because I can be guilty of that sometimes. But as part of this planning process, think about where potential different revenue streams. I would think if you're just getting started, get the revenue going, understand the business, understand your customer's pain points, 
But then as you start to look, is there other opportunities where you can leverage? I'm just curious. You're, I don't think you and I have actually had this conversation. So I'm curious what your advice is and, and what you tell your customers as they're they're looking to maybe diversify is too strong of a word, but you know where I'm going with that. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely it all, it all starts with the listening and understanding what are some of the needs of your clients as well as the market. Uh, identifying those needs and those priorities, then determining what could be uh, your potential you know, menu of offerings that you may want to be having. Um, but it, it needs to be very much market customer driven. I get a lot of clients saying to me, Michael, we want recurring revenue. Well, to give, you know, recurring revenue, to get recurring revenue, you have to deliver recurring value. So what are the needs of your client base, which where there may be opportunities to provide recurring value? A key trend we're seeing a lot now is that there's a need amongst decision makers, business owners, C-level execs. They're looking for a lot of peer-to-peer engagement where they can have discussion, dialogue, sharing of ideas. So providing that opportunity, um, providing that access, um, you know, access, I think, is a can be a big strategic offering uh, and providing opportunities to do the likes of roundtables, forums and mastermind, bring those, those target folks together and have discussions and engagement around the priorities and issues that are important to them. That could be a part of your revenue model. But again, it's all stemming from you know, what are the needs of the markets and industries that you serve, then looking at what are the appropriate offerings that you may be able to have that meet those requirements, as opposed to just saying, I want. So it's not really about what you want. It's about what the market and, and, and clients need. Then how can, are there opportunities tra- to translate that into different kinds of offerings, which may be higher revenues, recurring revenues, but you lead with the need as a good mentor of mine from the Chicago area. said so You always told me you lead with the need. And so yeah. that will determine what you need to do. I like it. And by the way, I just wrote that down. To get reoccurring revenue, you have to deliver reoccurring value. I don't know if you just thought of that on the flyer, if that's something you use all the time. But No, that's been my, that's been my that. mantra for about the past 18 months now because I've been getting a lot of people coming to me, a lot of business owners, Michael, we want recurring revenue. We've, we've got to scale and we, want rec- and, and we need recurring revenue. And I was like, well, hold on a second. Uh, yeah, you know, recurring <laughs> recurring revenue, you must deliver recurring value. Clients now, re- regardless of the size of your clients now, in this environment, in these times now, everyone is going to be very, want to know that money that I'm spending, what am I getting for it? You have to be delivering the value as they define it. Uh, and people are very are very cost conscious. So you have to be making sure you're really in tune on what's important to them. What do they need? What do they value? Then see what opportunities you can construct and craft in terms of what you deliver to them or your service offering, how you deliver to them. Um, So there might be opportunities to have tiered levels of service experience. And, you know, um, you know, we see that all the time with like airlines and stuff that, you know, if you're the gold member, you go through the fast queue, et cetera. There could be in certain, in, in certain scenarios, um, IT, for example, you might have tiered service levels for my gold IT uh, service, uh, managed services clients, silver, bronze, there might be different yeah. service levels that we're offering, but it can, how you'll construct that will be based on those clients that you're serving and what they value and what their requirements are. So you have to really lead with the need, which comes through listening, listening again to the market, the industries, the customers and your buyers, and then determining where there are, if and where there are opportunities, how you're, you're going to construct your different offerings. And I say start small. So what's kind of your yeah. core offering that you're going to be having and how are you going to bring those people into that core offering? And then what are the opportunities to have the cross sell or upsell? 
a huge fan of that. You're right. Get really good at one thing first and then, then expand, right? Cause if you try to do too many things and you're going to be bad or not as great as you should be, yeah. and you're not going to get the customers. And, you know, I think that that's really, really good advice. And I'm going to make, put you on the spot again, because one of the conversations I've had in a lot more recently, or I'm encouraging my clients is to charge more, right? Cause I think one of the things is we move from corporate into our own business. We don't always understand the worth that we have in the marketplace. And I'm not saying you can go thousand dollars an hour. If you can, God bless you. You've proven the value, get the value. You can do it. But one of the things that I most, I would say, I'm comfortable saying that the majority of expert-based businesses, solopreneurs are not charging enough for what they do because of the value that they provide right? And I think if as we look at 2023, my part two of that is sell direct to the customers you want to work with and the work you want to do. You can do subcontracting work. It's fine. You don't have to do the selling, but they're taking all your margin, right? And you're doing the work that they want you to do. So mm. I'm kind of hitting you with two different paths here and a little bit off, but I'm just curious because this has been coming up more and more about, you know, what do we charge for our services? And then two, your thoughts on the subcontracting versus going direct to your ideal customers. Okay. My view on subcontracting, and I've done subcontracting before in various forms, subcontracting, that's a revenue generator. It's not part of building your business as far as I'm concerned. That's that's kind of how I look at it. That's what is to pay the bills. That's not part of building your business. As expert-based businesses, uh, and this is where, you know, and Brett, we've had our discussion about the term freelancer, you know, for those independent solopreneurs, independent consultants, corporate escapees, building an expert-based business, this is about you coming up with your menu of offerings, um, your revenue streams, your menu of offerings, and how you're going to proactively you know, gain that business to generate revenues uh, and build the business and life that you seek. Uh, subcontracting, uh, which hopefully will not necessarily be solely, and you'll have multiple revenue streams. And so it's not just a time for dollars thing. Subcontracting is basically going out and looking for work. Um, so from from my view, is that's something you may need to be doing as part of being able to uh, pay the bills to build and grow the business. Because let's be real, Brett, building and growing a business is expense is expensive. It's not cheap. You have to invest to grow uh, because you're going to need to be doing things like you know your marketing and promotions. You're going to need to invest to get the reach and visibility um, so you can gain the clients that you see. That has to come from somewhere. So um, you want to be thinking about your your business you know, and having, what are your various menus of offerings and, and keep it simple, start small, what's your core offering? And then what are the opportunities you have for cross sell and upsell? And many, in most cases, when we're talking expert-based businesses, many times your clients are going to help define when they start reaching their hands up and saying, what else do you have? Um, so if we're talking expert-based businesses, and I'm going to reflect on financial, on, on professional services, because that's, there's often a lot of times you may have the opportunity to do things like, you know, mastermind groups where you're bringing, again, you're bringing people together to collaborate, co-create, and they want to be able to uh, have some peer-to-peer -peer engagement. So there's an opportunity for you to create an offering around that. You might have something around, let's say, implementation support. So um, if, let's say, you're a consulting firm, you're an IT company, 
you might provide uh, implementation management and support where you're doing uh, monthly, quarterly, and annual reviews, check-ins, assessments. Um, so it's not taking a lot of time from you per se, but you're providing support to your clients and they're paying a fee to be able to have that access to you to check in on how they're proceeding with their uh, IT transformations, etc. So you can have various, you know, your various uh, revenue streams or different menu options. Again, it will be driven, it should be driven by market client need. And often when you're dealing with clients, they will often raise their hand if you're doing well in your core offering to say, how else can you help me with X and Y? And so that, which is part of listening, will help define what are some of these other offerings that you need to have? Um, but from again, so from my view, your, your business building is around creating those revenue streams and those service offerings in line with the needs of your market uh, and, and customers and buyers that you serve. Subcontracting is something in terms of you offering your services elsewhere. That is something for from a revenue generation standpoint, which... You may have to do um, from time to time, and you may not need to do initially, but that's more about revenue generation. You still need to be thinking about planning, building, and growing the business uh, that you want to have, hopefully on your terms, to gain the growth, impact, freedom, flexibility that you seek. Listen to your customers, listen to yourself, You know, start that planning process. But then two, we talked about mindset, but the, the last one, which I still think is really underappreciated, is kind of the personal side of this, right? I think there's the, whether you say pro- personal productivity is part of the business or personal, the wellness, the sleep, the, the, the diet. I think there's some really bad advice out there that says, you know, work 20 hours a day, work in the office. Yes, you do need to put in the time to grow your business. But I think finding that balance of the mental and the wellness. And so I, I really love your perspective because you've been doing this for a long time now and you work with a lot of folks. How do you approach this and what's your recommendations for folks from the the personal side? Sure. So look, um, I'm going to be, I, I'm very, you know me, I'm very honest, very transparent. That's an area I'm not perfect at. I have to say I have gotten better at it. You do need to try to get some bit of balance. You need to have some Switch off time, some downtime, that is quite critical. You know, for me, I try to make it a point of I, I try to get to the gym, you know, at least four times a week because I do love working out. And working out for me is very much a mental thing because I like just, you know, getting on, you know, the elliptical machine and going on hardcore for 30 minutes, then hitting the weight hardcore. Uh, it, for me, it, it just kind of rejuvenates me and really gets me in, in the zone. Um, I make it a point to have... Um, Saturdays is a day I will not do any work whatsoever. I will, you know, catch up with friends. I will work out. Um, you know me, I'm a massive athletics fan, so I'm probably checking out something on YouTube, athletic meets, you're listening to podcasts, so forth, catching up with friends, cooking. You have to have some downtime. I have become pretty good now, much better at having some downtime and like blocking out Saturdays. Sundays is a day, it will still be a mixed bag. Um, so you need to find what works for you. That's the bottom line, but you do need to have some downtime and some switch off time. That just needs to happen um, because we can't go hardcore all the time. I consider myself to have a pretty good work ethic and and high levels of how hard I can push. But I myself know, as like everyone else, you, there's a, sometimes you just have to kind of put those lines in the sand. So it is important that you you have to try to have some breaks, um, some switch off time, and that needs to happen on a regular basis. Like you should have at least you know one day a week where okay you're not doing any work, you're not checking the emails, and you're switching off and doing whatever it is that you know you enjoy that that you know makes you feel good and lets you switch off. 
have a laugh, relax, and rejuvenate, whatever those things are, you want to be doing it. Um, and yes, you should try to eat well. You should try to sleep, although I'm still not good in that department. So I'm not going to go and um, be, be holier on that in that regard. But I have gotten much better though in making sure I have kind of my time out time um, uh, to be doing things. And, you know, occasionally I'll have, you know, next weekend in Australia here, it's a long weekend. I will be doing nothing from Friday evening until the Monday night. I will be not doing one ounce of work, not an email, not any planning, because it's like, you know what? I need to have, you need to listen to yourself. I know I, I need to have a bit of a rejuvenation before I go hardcore for October, November. So for the long weekend, I won't be doing not an ounce of work. Um, so you, 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 you do have to try to put those things in because you can't go hardcore all the time. And you do function better when you take a step back and then you come back to, Oh, my 2023 plan. And you've got that clarity. You're rejuvenating. The ideas come together and things start moving much better. And it just all kinds of gels when you've taken that time out. So you're so important. That personal component is very, very important. But again, it's about people determining what's right for them. But you do have to look after yourself and you do have to have a bit of downtime, a bit of an outlet. It's essential right now more than ever because... Having your own business working for yourself is great. It's really rewarding. I love what I do, but it is also harder than ever as well because it is crowded. Everyone is trying to do it. And so it takes more time, more effort, and potentially more investment, time, effort, and money. So you've got to be able to step up to those challenges and what it requires, which means you need to make sure you have appropriate you know, rest, mental mindset, sleep, all of those things to be able to step up to it. Yeah, no, it's funny. We, we share the same thing because my two non-negotiables are get outside every day. I mean, here in Chicago, it can be 20 below. I'm still going to get outside for 30 to 40 minutes walk, yeah. whatever it is. And then yeah. two is, well, now I'm not even sure what I am anymore. It used to be the night owl, right? I'd stay up late, do all these things and then yeah. get no sleep and get up in the morning. But now I'm going to bed earlier, right? So I'm trying yeah. to be in bed. But now I'm, I've, I've actually probably flipped it the other way, but now I'm getting up too early and I'm still getting back to the, the less sleep because I'm getting up earlier in the morning. So I, I'm going to have to find what, what that balance is. Yeah. But yeah, I think it is that the, the sleep I do have a much greater appreciation for than I did even a couple of years ago and the importance, the health, the diet, every, because it all blends. Because we, the other thing that I found and I had... Um, uh, Steve Glaveski on the, the podcast, Australian, right? He's yeah. a, uh, one of my still favorite books all the time. And it's like, it, it, he's all about the time management and blocking time and the flow state yeah. and people can, I can already see people rolling their eyes, but you know what, what I started doing was blocking that time in the morning and say, Hey, this is the two hours I'm doing the two things that I need to get accomplished yeah. because I saw a graphic this morning or the other day that I thought it was, you know, should do or could do, should do, must do. And we yeah. spend way too much time thinking about the should do's. When we pick the one or two must do's, we'd be so much further ahead. So I still think, and I'm guilty of it, of wasting too much time on, on things that I don't need to be doing as far as the business and I'm getting better at it. And I know you've kind of refined this and do a good job of keeping focused, yeah, I, I but... I've gotten better. I do the rule of, I try to look at, okay, for the, at the end of each week, okay, for the next week, what are the three things I must get done if I get nothing else done? I write those down in my diary because I'm old school. So I might, and I'd say these three things are the things I must get done for the week. 
And so, and I will constantly reflect back to that. For, okay, what do I need to get done by Friday? Those three things. And so yeah. as long as I get those three things done, then I'm good. Because I have a tendency to really push myself to want to have this massive checklist and get lots yes. of stuff done. So now I've reverted now to writing down what are the three must-dos for that week. And so as long as I get those done, um, then I'm good. Um, you're, because you're trying to productive. have this massive checklist of all this other stuff um, – yeah, it can it can be self de- self defeating and and it's just yeah not good. So for me, I find three what three things I must do, and work towards those, and then it, it all kinds of kind of yeah evens out. And and that's that's just a trick I've developed for myself just to kind of help me um, be productive, but also not beating up myself because oh I had ten things and I only got three out of right. the ten things done. But just focusing, saying what are those three must dos, and work towards those, and then everything else will will get to it in time. And it, yeah, this seems to be working out better because now I do feel as though I, when I ha- take that time out on the weekends and stuff, I am feeling more relaxed. Like yeah, I'm in control. So I think for me that approach is working. Yeah, and I think it makes sense because you know science shows multitasking is not effective. So. Pick the time. And I think science also shows that if you're not getting more, if you have four hours a day of really hardcore work, that's uber productive and most people don't do it. Mm. So so if you can book that three, two to four hours every day of getting stuff done, that's almost a day's worth of work in a lot of other people's mind and anything else you can do, the administrative tasks and all those other things. So, you know, I think we'll have another episode where you and I can dig in deep on this and, and share some of the things because- you and I haven't really talked about what we do personally, and I would love to to dig in. But so yeah. hold those thoughts until we'll, yeah. we'll do that in a, in a personal productivity episode. So for the folks that want to learn more, what's the best way for folks to track you down and follow sure. you? And- so best place to follow me is my website, listeninnovategrow.com. So that website has all of my content in terms of videos, articles, strategy toolkits, outlines my service offerings, which also includes uh, my legacy SME B2B community, which I'll be launching later this year. So that's going to be a community aimed at business owners of service-based organizations that are looking to build and grow in B2B. So there'll be details there. So listeninnovategrow.com is your repository for all things around uh, B2B for SMEs. And also you can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, And Brett, I'm sure you'll put all those details uh, in the show notes. They will all be in the show notes. And yeah, follow Michael on on LinkedIn if you don't. It's a good follow. He's got a lot of value that he adds. He's one of these guys that doesn't sell. It's more of, hey, here's some things that you're learning. So highly recommend the book. It's a great read. And if you're not sure where to get started in business or you're struggling with your business, go pick this up. I keep pushing him. When's book number two coming out? And you keep telling me. Yes, I I just had a discussion with Garris about that uh, when I was in Melbourne last week. So that uh, maybe stay tuned 2020. 2024. (laughs) Well, you know, you're a favorite of the podcast and folks love when you're on here. So we'll keep you coming back until that until that book's out. So. Michael, thank you again for your time. Appreciate it. And uh, folks, go check him out. And like I said, we'll have him back on here in the not too distant future. Thanks, Brett.